1: today. I'm really excited about this new sermon series that I'm going to be starting today out of the book of Nehemiah. And so if you have your Bibles, whether it's a digital copy or a hard copy of God's Word, I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter number one. And um, here's our sermon series. This is going to be the title for this whole series. I'm only going to go through about chapter seven or so. I'm not going to take the entire book, Uh, but I want to glean some from the journal of Nehemiah and I thought that would be a good place to start for all of us going into the year 2016. So the series title is simply this, His Work, His Way, His Glory. Okay, And that's what we're going to discover as we look at the life of Nehemiah. We're going to see that Nehemiah did his work, the Lord's work, the Lord's way, for the Lord's glory. And I thought that's a pretty good, I don't know, a resolution if you want to make or a pretty good launching pad for the very first Sunday In two thousand and sixteen, is that we live our life in a way that we are doing his work, his way, for his glory. Okay? So that's what we're going to discover as we glean and look at Nehemiah uh, chapter one down through verse number eleven. And today I want to talk to you. The title for this sermon is simply this: The Servant Prayer Warrior. The Servant Prayer Warrior. Uh, And so we're going to see that in the life of Nehemiah. Now I'll tell you right now. If I could go back in my life and change a few things, not necessarily change, but had God not called me into ministry as a pastor, this is the type of man that I would want to be. Just a lay person in a church that's a servant and a prayer warrior that's just absolutely tearing it up for God. Now every single person in this room today can be a Nehemiah, myself included, All of us can be that type of an individual. We can be a servant. We can be a prayer warrior. We can can make a difference in the kingdom of God. And we're going to see that's exactly what Nehemiah has done. Okay? So before we get started, let's just go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll jump right into this. And uh, today is going to be mostly an introduction. Uh, Probably over half of my message today is just going to be giving you the backdrop of Nehemiah. Then I'm going to share with you four principles Uh, that we see in chapter 1 about his prayer life and how he got started in some of these great accomplishments that he did for the Lord. One of the things that I love about the book of Nehemiah, it begins with prayer and it ends with prayer. I mean, the bookend of Nehemiah is prayer. And so if any of us are going to accomplish anything for the Lord, we must be a people of prayer and you're going to see that in Nehemiah's life, as well as some other things. But that, those are the bookends of the book, if you will. Prayer at the beginning, prayer at the end, and just everything is bathed in prayer. So let's pray and ask God's blessing. And I just pray God speaks to your heart, uh, gives you some direction for 2016, gives you a purpose for 2016, helps you get up every day on purpose, fulfilling that, that goal uh, that the Lord has laid on your heart for 2016. So let's pray together. Father... Thank you so much for our time together, and thank you, Lord, for the sweet fellowship that we've had in the, at the Connection Cafe with coffee and refreshments, and thank you, Lord, for the ladies that supply that every week, and we pray you continue to bless them. Thank you for the worship team and all the hours of practice that they put in to leading us in worship every week, and we just thank you, Lord, for them, and thank you, Lord, for our church family. We can gather together in the early service at 830 and this service and worship you in spirit and in truth and fellowship around the table of good worship and the word of God. And, and Lord, I pray now you speak to our hearts and also pray for our children in children's church and our babies in the nursery. And uh, that all of our, our ministries, God, you continue to bless as we just try to pour the word of God into people's heart and into their lives. And Lord, our prayer is that Martin, the same prayer that Martin Luther prayed many years ago. That the spirit of God would take the word of God And make us all more like the Son of God. And Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts today. Illuminate the Scripture. Give us insight to the Word of God. And speak to our hearts individually. And give us direction as we go into the year 2016. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be talking about Nehemiah now for the next uh, six or seven weeks or so. And so for today, I thought... Before we jump in here and into chapter 1 and start unpacking chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, I felt like I needed to give you a little bit of a backdrop. Now, I want you to look in verse 1, though. There's four words I want you to look at. Very first four words in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The words of Nehemiah. Now, one of the things that I love to do, I love to read, I love to read books. Whether it's hard copy books or books on my Kindle or on my app or on my tablet, I I love to read. And one of the things that I love to do is going to Barnes and Nobles. And when I go to Barnes and Nobles, I love to go to the biography section. And I love to read about what I would classify and pick out to be successful people. Uh, Maybe even some people that had some failures. Anything that's going on in my life where I can learn And try to improve myself in that particular area of my life. I like to see those that have written about it. Or biographies or journals of these different men or women. I enjoy reading those. Guys, you realize that we have a journal in God's word. Nehemiah chapter 1. The book of Nehemiah. It really is just a journal. It's Nehemiah's journal. Because he says in verse number 1. The words of who? Nehemiah. He's gonna give us the date that he starts pinning some of these words. He's gonna give us the situation that he's in, the circumstances that surround him, all that's being unfolded in the culture and the time of, that he's living there. He pins that down at the beginning of his journal, and then he continues to write. So I love the fact that we together, collectively, are going to take a look and glean from Nehemiah's journal. Okay? Now, this isn't going to be really, I mean, for me, it's just, I'm just sharing with you what Nehemiah wrote in his journal. That's really all I'm going to do. And as I share this, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit of God would take some of these, I call them golden nuggets that we find in his journal and pierce our heart and give us direction and give us encouragement and, and, and just help us to be successful in the year 2016 Matter of fact, when I close out this message today, and as Nehemiah closes out his prayer that I'm going to share with you today, one of the things that he asks for is for God to help him be successful or help him succeed in what he is about to do. So we're going to glean from Nehemiah's journal here today over the next uh, six or so weeks together. Okay. But before we really dig into the journal, I must give you the backdrop of the journal. I want to share with you a little bit of the history of what's taken place in the life of Nehemiah, okay? So before I get to that, let me share with you a few quotes. Here's a few quotes from or about this man that we're going to study named Nehemiah. The first quote I'm going to share with you is from Mervyn Brenneman. Now, Mervyn Brenneman was the author of the New American Commentary, and he says this about this man that we're studying. He says, Nehemiah was an energetic leader. Who combined a deep trust in the Lord with precise planning, careful organization, and discreet but energetic action. Man, I like that. I mean, already I like Nehemiah. Don't you? I mean, look what what this comment is about him, this quote about him. He has precise planning, careful organization, discreet but energetic action. So this guy was putting some thought into what he was doing. Would you agree? He had a strategy. He just didn't wake up in the morning and twiddly stomp and say, oh, what am I going to do today? This guy did not just exist. I mean, he lived every day with purpose and meaning, and there's a reason for that, which I think is a good reason for us to study him going into the year 2016. Here's another quote by Dr. Herbert Lockyer, and he says this out of his book, All the Books and Chapters of the Bible. His quote is this, and I like this quote about Nehemiah. It says that he stood like an anvil. Everybody say anvil. Anvil. He stood like an anvil till the hammers of opposition wore themselves out vainly, beating against him. Has anyone ever had some hammers of opposition beat against you in your life? Come on, who has? Raise your hand. All of us have, right? How have you weathered that? Well, Nehemiah, the quote here is about him, that he stood like an anvil. As the hammers of opposition beat him going through life. Great quote about Nehemiah. Here's another quote by Nehemiah. Same author, Dr. Herbert Lockyer, in his book, All Men of the Bible. Here's what he said. Now, this is a long quote, so I'm going to read it slowly so you can absorb it. And I have it on the screen for you so you can follow along with me. But listen to what he said. As a self-contained man, a man of his own counsel... A man with the counsel of God alone in his mind and in his heart. A reserved and resolute man. A man to take command of other men. A man who will see things with his own eyes without all eyes seeing him. A man in no haste or hurry. He will not begin till he has counted the cost. And he will not stop until he has finished the work. What a great quote by this man about Nehemiah, the man that we're going to study. James Vernon McGee had another quote about Nehemiah, and he simply just said that Nehemiah is the loyal layman. I like this man, Nehemiah, already. Just with the four quotes that we've seen as men have studied the life of Nehemiah, I can tell you I like him already. Nehemiah is a man's man. I mean, Nehemiah is the kind of man that every one of us would want to follow. And Nehemiah is the kind of man in person that every one of us should aspire to a being. Now, here's what I want you to understand about Nehemiah. Nehemiah wasn't a prophet, okay? He wasn't this giant of a man. He's just an ordinary layperson that loves God, that said, God, I want to serve you, live for you, use me to do whatever it is you want to do. And he accomplished great things for the Lord. A lot of times whenever we look at these Bible characters, we say, yeah, but they were giants. Nehemiah was just a layperson, okay? He's just a layman. And I don't know about you, before I was, you know, back in, I think I may have already shared this with you, but Nehemiah's the kind of man that I'd want to be. Just a layperson. Just serving quietly in the church, just like a rock, just there. A servant prayer warrior. That's the kind of man that we see about Nehemiah. Let me share with you a little bit of history, a little bit of the backdrop of what was going on in the time of this journal, that this journal was being written. So in order that you can see the background, in order that we can see really what God was able to do in and through his life, I think it's important that we have a little bit of the history behind Nehemiah. So here's a little bit that I put up on the screen for you so you have an understanding of a little bit of the history that was taking place. In, in the 8th century B.C., before Christ, okay, Assyria conquered the northern kingdom of Israel and took them away into captivity. Now, it was foretold by the prophets that that was going to happen if they disobeyed because they were disobeying the Lord. They weren't being obedient to the commands of God. The Lord brought it to pass. The prophets proclaimed it would happen all because the people had backslidden on God. They were Cast in the judgment, if you will, and Assyria conquered the northern kingdom. A few centuries later, the southern kingdom followed suit where Jerusalem fell to Babylon. And, you, you know, that whole area in the Middle East that's in turmoil today, it's been in turmoil ever since Jacob and Esau. All the way back in the Bible times, it's been in turmoil, and it certainly still is today. In the 5th century... We're going to find that the Persian rulers began to allow the Jews to enter back into Jerusalem sporadically. In stages, they were allowed to come back in. And then you're going to see that Zerubbabel led a group to begin rebuilding. Now, they didn't accomplish it, but he started and and led a group to go back and start rebuilding Jerusalem. Fifty years later, we see that Ezra, the priest, returned back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And then some 15 years after Ezra, the priest, returned back to Jerusalem to start building the temple, this is when we find the start of Nehemiah's journal, okay? Some 15 years after after Ezra returned to rebuild the temple. Now, let me share with you a little bit about the man, Nehemiah. Here's what I want you to understand about Nehemiah. He was just a man. He was a Jewish man, okay? Now, here's what I want you to see also. He was most likely, probably born in exile. He was a man that never saw Jerusalem. He was a man that was not born in Jerusalem. He was born in exile, but he was a Jewish man. Also, you'll discover about Nehemiah that he's sharp. He's a sharp guy. I mean, this guy was trained in business and administration. He had a very good career going. He could have just stayed in his career path and not got involved in in the mission that he felt God leading him to do and had a very good life. He could have lived a very comfortable life where he was. But God got a hold of his heart and God used him to do some amazing things. And, of course, you know and I do about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Also, he was a guy whose whose eyes had never seen Jerusalem. That's important because I'm going to come back to that when we get into the Scripture and remind you of that whenever we see him praying before the Lord. What are some of his accomplishments? That's the man. What are some of his accomplishments? Well, first of all, we do know that he's the one that rebuilt the walls and the military defenses of Jerusalem. We know that he instituted reforms among God's people. I mean, this is a man that accomplished a lot For the Lord, just as a layperson, okay, we also know that he helped restore purity in worship and integrity in family relationships. I mean, this man not only went back and put brick and mortar together, but he also went back and started teaching the people how to rightly behave as God's people. And that's the last line there. He helped restore behavior among God's people. Listen, it's one thing to say, yeah, I believe the Bible. It's one thing to say, yes, I love God's Word. But it's something else entirely different to take the Word of God and allow it to penetrate our minds and into our heart and it come out in our actions and we be obedient to the Word of God. That's part of what Nehemiah did. He helped the people live out on a daily basis the Word of God. He helped restore the behavior of the people. And I will say this, if we claim to be a church and we claim to be a people that say that we love God's Word and we believe God's Word, then we better start acting like it Monday through Saturday and not just on Sunday. Amen? I mean, we've got to live this thing out every single day of our life. Now, understand, you do not live it out in order to get to heaven. It's not a works salvation. But because I have been to the cross... There shouldn't be evidence in my life that I am a Christ follower by the way that I live my life. I should be the light in darkness and you the same. Would you agree? So those are some of the accomplishments that we find about Nehemiah. But what about the adversities? What about some of the obstacles? Go ahead and put the next slide up if you will, please. Nehemiah had some great adversity that he had to get through in order to do all of these accomplishments that that he did. The first thing I want you to understand that he was not a ruler. Nehemiah was not a king or a ruler and he was not in charge of thousands or hundreds of thousands of of troops or a big army general. He was just a layperson that God used in an amazing way. But some of his obstacles also include there was a widespread apathy or laziness, if you will, Among God's people at the time that he had to overcome a lot of times. We look at all that Nehemiah did and we think yeah, but that was Nehemiah. He's one of the giants in the Bible. There's no way that I could do what he did. I want you to see and I want you to leave here knowing that Nehemiah was just a man like you and like me. He was just a lay person serving God. Really nothing magnificent or special about him. Just an ordinary man that had a lot of the same obstacles and hindrances that we have today in trying to do something for the Lord. So we also see that he had this, this apathy among God's people. He had to motivate them. He had to encourage them. There were also plots from his own people to derail him. As you get through and you start studying the book of Nehemiah, you'll see that some of his own people tried to stop him from doing what he was doing and cause his efforts to fail. There were misunderstandings among the people. Now, obviously, he had his enemy. But some of his largest obstacles that he had were among his own people in carrying out and doing what God had called him to do. There was a lack of faith and a lack of action and a lack of, I don't know, and and a spirit of apathy, if you will, among the people that he had to lead And motivate and inspire those people to follow him in rebuilding these walls. The walls of Jerusalem had crumbled. It was a rubble. It was a mess. But God used this man to be a leader to go back and rebuild those walls with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. Now guys, in our world today the walls of America have crumbled, spiritually speaking. And probably a lot of other ways, but I'm not going to get into that. But spiritually speaking, the walls of America are a mess. It's a rubbled heap, just like the walls of Jerusalem were. Will you be that person in the year 2016 that God is going to use to help rebuild the spiritual walls of America? You say, well, how do we do that? How do we rebuild the spiritual walls of America. It starts with your walls. And then it starts with your family's walls. And then it starts with your community or your workplace environment and the community that you live in, taking action and doing some things to help rebuild the spiritual walls that are around us. And then you go to the states and then so forth and so on. But it's got to start right here. So my prayer is today, as we work through this, As we glean a little from Nehemiah's journal today, my prayer is that God will inspire you, that God will motivate you, that you will find some type of encouragement to get up and make a difference tomorrow for the kingdom of God and for the Lord's sake. Amen. That's my goal for you today. All right. Let's look at a little bit of the reaction here. Let's jump into Nehemiah chapter number one. And I want you to look in verse number 1 through 4. Let's look at the reaction of this spirit warrior, if you will, this prayer warrior, this servant warrior. Look in verse 1, Nehemiah chapter 1. It says, during the month of Chislev, which was probably around November, December time frame, in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress of Susa, which is the capital city of Persia at the time, Hananiah, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem. Now, he was already concerned about Jerusalem, and the first thing he did, he questioned the state of Jerusalem. Listen, guys, if we're going to do anything, you're going to see it gets a lot further into his actions here, but it starts with him having a concern. You see, guys, if we don't have a concern for the things of God, if we don't have a concern for the spiritual well-being of us as an individual... If we don't have a concern for the spiritual well-being of our families, if we don't have a concern for the spiritual well-being of our church and our community, then there's no way we're going to be men and women like Nehemiah. It starts with having a concern for the spiritual things of God. That's where it begins. And here we see he said that. He asked about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. And they said to me in verse 3, the remnant in the province of Who survived the exile. Are in great trouble. And disgrace. Jerusalem's walls. Have been broken. And its gates. Have been burned down. The walls have been broken down. The gates have been burned down. What was Nehemiah's response. When he heard. About Jerusalem. It says in verse number four. When I heard these words. I sat down. And wept and I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. When Nehemiah asked the question, how is Jerusalem and how are the people that are returning to Jerusalem? How are they doing? As soon as he heard the response that the walls are torn down, the place is a mess, the people are devastated The very first thing he did was what? He wept. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you shed a tear over the things of God? When was the last time you looked around at the spiritual state of yourself, your family, our communities, our school systems, our governments, our nation, and you wept over the things of God? Nehemiah was broken when he heard the state that Jerusalem and his people were in, he wept. But then after he wept, it said he went into a state of mourning. And then also he went into days of fasting and prayer. Church, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you've been so moved by the spiritual things of God In the state of our world today, and all the way down to our families today, that you wept, you mourned, and you spent days fasting and in prayer. Let me be honest with you, I was struggling over two different sermon series to start this brand new new year. This one, Nehemiah, or a series on prayer and fasting. And I put together a six or eight week series on both last year. I'm going to launch one of them today. Obviously, you know which one I feel the Lord led me to launch. But I think coming right behind this one is going to be a series on prayer and fasting. And guys, it's time we as God's people get serious about serving God and just quit going through the motions. Can we get a witness? Our nation is a mess. Spiritually speaking, our walls have crumbled. And slowly but surely, the walls of a nation spiritually are crumbled. They're in a mess. But slowly but surely, the walls in our communities are decaying and crumbling. And the walls in our homes are decaying and crumbling simply because we're not taken seriously seriously. The things of the Lord and the spiritual things of God's Word. Listen, there are consequences for being disobedient to the Word of God, even for us today. Some of the consequences for being disobedient for the children of Israel, I'm unpacking for you now. The reason they're in exile because they were disobedient, Nehemiah's going to show us that in his prayer. And the same thing applies to us today. So if we say we love God, if we say we love God's word, then we must put some action to that. There's some things we must do, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But here I want you to see. He wept. He was mourning. He was fasting. Days praying. And then he got up after that, and he went back to work, to life, and live life as normal. Right? Come on, guys, you know that's not right. I'm just getting a response from you is all I'm trying to do. No, it totally changed his life. Nehemiah didn't get up and go back to work as normal. Listen, he could have stayed in that job and lived a comfortable life for the rest of his days. But God moved him that day. God stirred him because he was concerned about the people of God. He was concerned about the place of God. He heard that the place was rubbish, that the walls had been torn down, that the people were devastated. He wept over them. He mourned over them. He spent days fasting and praying, trying to discern God's will for his life. And he got up and he went back and he made a difference. And guys, for us... Whenever we evaluate where we are in the year 2016, the very first Sunday of the year, it's a great time to do a little personal inventory of your life and to see where you are spiritually and to set some goals on where you'd like to be by the end of the year, spiritually speaking. But possibly we look around and we're broken over what we see. And hopefully we are broken when we look at our nation today and see how far away we have gotten from God. That it breaks us. But when it does break us, hopefully we get up and we do a little bit like Nehemiah and we do something. Nehemiah got up and he did something. Now, right here i got to call a timeout. I must throw up the Surgeon General warning at this moment. Go ahead and throw it up on the screen. First first slide here. No, go back one. I'm sorry, you aren't headed up there. Here's what I want you to see. Go back one. You're going to steal my thunder here. Go back. Don't worry. Everybody close your eyes until you get back. Don't look at that. Okay, here's the disclaimer. All right. Caution. Disclaimer. Warning. Are you ready? Now put the warning up. Here's what I want you to see. Studying the book of Nehemiah. May lead to doing things God's way. Stop right there. Studying the book of Nehemiah may lead to doing things God's way. And you're going to find that the world will marvel, worldly Christians will criticize, but God will be pleased. As you study the book of Nehemiah and you see what this man did, I don't know how in the world it cannot inspire people to get out and do something for the Lord. Because this book, when you study it, it will change you, right? You're going to see some things. You're going to learn some principles. We're going to glean from his journal. You're going to be inspired. You're going to be motivated. And hopefully and prayerfully, it does change you. Okay? So let me give you four things, and I'm going to be done with this message today. And this is just a an introductory message to try to lay the foundation for where we're headed over the next several weeks. But we're talking about Nehemiah, this servant, and this prayer warrior And there are four words that I want you to get. The very first word is the word adoration. Write that down if you will, please. The word adoration, number one. We find that in Nehemiah chapter one in verse number five. Now, this is the model servant prayer of this prayer warrior. Okay? So it's a good way for us to pray. All right? So this prayer warrior, this was his model. Once he had heard that the remnant was Devastated, the walls were in shambles, he wept, he was mourning, he was fasting, he was praying. This comes right out of his journal. I'm not making this up. I'm not giving you a a good little model to follow. I'm just gleaning straight from the journal of Nehemiah so you can see exactly what he penned as he was going through this. Okay. So look in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse number 5. After he had heard the news, after he had wept... Morning, fasting, praying. He went off in his prayer closet. In verse number 5, he shares with us a portion of his prayer in the journal. And he said, I said, Yahweh, the God of heaven, the great and awe-inspiring God, who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. The first thing I want you to see here is that Nehemiah spent some time in... In worship and adoring the great and awe-inspiring God. He realized that he served a God that was far bigger than the walls of Jerusalem. Or even where he was in his life and his career. He served this awe-inspiring God that had given them commands. That had given them statutes. That had given them the word of God and the commandments of God. He was worshiping and adoring and falling on his face before this God. God. He recognized who God is. And he responded accordingly. Guys, if we're ever going to get out and do anything for God, we're going to have to get a good visual of who God is. And we're going to have to adore Him. And we're going to have to worship Him. And we're going to have to realize that, hey, He is an awe-inspiring creator of all things God. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is bigger than any problem that you may have in life. He is our God who we are to worship and serve. And so after Nehemiah got the message, he started weeping and mourning and fasting and praying. But this was part of his prayer. He started, started adoring the Lord. Let me ask you, do you adore the Lord? Are you spending time with God every day in His Word to glean from the teachings and the commands of His Word? Sadly, people spend more time on Facebook than they do the Word of God. People are more concerned about seeing what everybody else is doing than seeing what God has told us to do. Are you with me? There's a place for social media. But it's not the first thing you should do every single day and stay on it all day long, wondering what everybody else is doing. Amen? Say amen or on me. Ouch. All right? So, 2016, why don't you make it? Here, here's you a great resolution for 2016. And this is going to be difficult for some. Instead of getting up and picking up your phone first thing in the morning, going straight to Facebook to see what everybody's doing, why don't you pick up a copy of God's Word and take 10 minutes? And just meet with the Creator. Now, I'm not saying Facebook is wrong, guys. I'm not, please don't put words in my mouth. Don't misunderstand me. There's a place for it, right? I mean, it's a great way to get news out, right? But don't let it replace your time with the Lord. We need to adore Him. Spend time in God's Word. Worship Him. Understand and see what His commands are. And then live those out and obey Him every single day. So the first word is adoration. I'm going to give you three more and I'm done. The second word I want you to jot down is this word, confession. So we see that Nehemiah started with this adoration. He was adoring the Lord after he had heard the message of what was taking place. He was weeping, he was mourning, he was praying, he was fasting. In his prayer and fasting, he was adoring the Lord. But then it led him to confession. Worship led to confession. Adoration led to confession. Because the better picture you get of who God is, the better picture you're going to get of who you are. When you see how awe-inspiring and wonderful and godly he is, And the more you learn about him, the more you're going to see how sinful and little we are. And that should lead us to confession. Look, if you will, in verses 6 through 7. And this is something I want to draw to your attention in the latter part of verse 6. He says, let your eyes be open. Let your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer. That I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. Notice what he says here. I confess the sins. What's the next word? We. Hold on a minute. I confess the sins. What? We have. Next word. Committed. Hold on. I confess the sins we have committed against you. Stop right there. Nehemiah. Son, you've really done nothing against the Lord. You weren't even born when the people were disobedient towards God. You've never even seen Jerusalem. You live thousands of miles away from Jerusalem. You're doing good for yourself. Nehemiah saw it differently. Nehemiah was a Jew. And Nehemiah knew that had he lived there with all of other, the other God's people back in the day that he would have been right there with them being disobedient to God maybe because he realized in his own adoration of God, his own prayer time, his own fasting that he himself living the lifestyle and where he was living in that day and living out his career and not really concerned about the things of God maybe he realized then, I've sinned just as much as my, my fathers have sinned. Right? Right? He included, here's the point I want you to get. He included himself in the sins of the nation of Israel. He included himself. He didn't even live in that day when they made the original sin as far as being disobedient from the Lord and the Lord bringing judgment on them and sending them out into exile. He'd never even seen Jerusalem. He was born in exile. But he was a Jew and he loved God. And he loved the things of God. And he included himself. Guys, listen. We must come to the place in our life where we take responsibility for our sins. And what I mean by that, when we sin against God, we must confess those to the Lord and say, Lord, I have sinned. And quit blaming everybody else for the situation that I'm in. Quit blaming everybody else For whatever's going on in my life, the circumstances that I'm in today, listen, it's my fault. I have sinned. That's the point we all need to get to in our life. Are you with me? I realize that's not popular in 2016. No one wants to take credit for anything. Matter of fact, in my notes here, I have a few things. The CEO sells his company down the tubes. He leaves with a $38 million golden parachute separation fund. He doesn't take responsibility for anything. That's a news story, and I won't get into the names. Another one, a high profile preacher lives a scandalous life of sexual sin. He thumbs his nose at his denomination, throws back their denominational ordinational papers back at them, and he's back on air in no time at all. Not taking responsibility for any of his sin. A president lies, and he merely says, I, w- I misspoke. Not saying, I've sinned. Forgive me, I lied. Now, guys, listen, that's just not one president. That's that's all of them. It's not one politician. It's all of them. That's all of us. Are you with me? The point I'm trying to make is this. Nehemiah included himself in the sins of the people. And he said, Lord, I confess the sins we have committed against you. He goes on further and he says, both I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted corruptly toward you. And if not, kept the commands, the statutes, the ordinances that you gave your servant Moses. Living thousands of miles away from Jerusalem, he included himself in the sins of the people. And guys, that's what confession is all about. Confessing to God, I've sinned. My lifestyle, I'm doing things, I'm saying things, I'm living a way that is incomplete, disobedient to the book. God, I confess my sin to you. Please forgive me. The wonderful thing is that He's a God that forgives. Amen? He's a God that's filled with mercy and grace and compassion and love towards us. Let me give you the third word. Not only adoration, not only confession. The third word is being thankful or thanksgiving. Jot that down. This is all in Nehemiah's journal. He starts with this adoration, this concern for Israel. The report, the walls have crumbled. The people are devastated. He's weeping and mourning and fasting and praying. His prayer is he falls down before God and just adores him for who he is. He worships. In his worship, he sees that he himself has sinned. But now he's gone from the adoration to the confession to now being thankful. What's he thankful for? He's thankful for the promises and the mercies of God. Look, if you will, in verses 8 through 10. He says, please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. Now he's reminding God what he had told and commanded Moses. He says, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the ends of the earth, I would gather them from there and bring them to the place where I chose to have my name dwell. They are your servants and your people, and you redeem them by your great power and your strong hand. Nehemiah is reminding God yes, God, you said you would scatter us if we were disobedient. And we were disobedient, God. And we confess, I confess my sins with our people. But you also said that if we would return to you, that you would bring us back together. And God right now, Nehemiah is doing some intercessory prayer and he's praying on his behalf and the behalf of his people. And he says, we have sinned. Now, please bring us back together. And he's thankful for the promises and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. Now, whenever I read that passage, there's a New Testament passage of Scripture that comes to my mind that kind of parallels with this. And it's 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9 is there for the believers. It's there for the Christians. And it says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that tells me? That tells me that every single one of us can have a new beginning. It doesn't matter how we've messed up in 2015. It doesn't matter what's taking place in our life. We can fall on our face before God. We can be broken before Him. We can adore Him for who He is. We can confess our sins to God. Then we can be thankful that He forgives and He cleanses us and His commands are there and His promises are there and they're new every morning according to uh, chapter 3, verse 22. That ought to excite the church a little bit. We're thankful... And that's what Nehemiah is. He's thankful for the things of God. We can begin afresh and anew. But it starts after we confess our sins to the Lord. So we have adoration. We have confession. We have thankfulness. Fourth and final word is this. Supplication. What I mean by supplication? Now is the request. Okay? Nehemiah heard about the people. He was moved, he wept, he was broken, he mourned, fasting, praying for many days. The prayer is adoring God, confessing his sins, thankful for the promises and the mercies and the forgiveness and the renewal that can take place with God. Now he is at the time when he's requesting something from the Lord. Now guys, this is a great model prayer for all of us. Let's call time out and get a sidebar here. Whenever we, whenever we pray, most of us start with the supplication. Oh, God, oh, you wouldn't believe what's happening. I need this. Well, number one, he can't believe what's happening. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows exactly what's happening, right? Right? But why is it we start there? Why don't we start with the getting quiet before him and trying to get a good understanding of who he is? He's God. Right? All inspiring. All powerful. The Alpha, the Omega. God. That's still in control. Amen? And still ruling and reigning this world. That every single one of us one day are going to stand before. That's God. That should lead us to confessing our sins. Right? Right? repenting of our sins. God, forgive me. I've been so caught up in myself. I've been doing these things. I've been disobedient to your word. I know what your word says. I haven't been living it. Forgive me. And then we're thankful for his grace and his mercy and his promises and his commands and the renewal that we can have. Right? Then it leads us to our supplication. Now we can ask for whatever it is that we need to ask for his help with. That's what Nehemiah is doing here. Look, if you will, in verse number 11. He says, please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. Now, he's saying, Lord, will you please listen? Because I'm getting ready to ask you for some, something big here. Okay? Be attentive to the prayer of your servant. And to that of your servants who delight to revere your name. Look what he says. Give your servant success today. Nehemiah is praying to the Lord to be successful in what he's about to do. But I want you to understand that request came after what? Talk to me. Adoration? It came after what? Confession? It came after what? Thankfulness? Now he's at the request and he's saying, Lord, now help me be successful. Help me be or help your servant, uh, give your servant success today and have compassion On him in the presence of this man. Who's this man? This man is Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes was the king at that day. Artaxerxes was whose Nehemiah was working for. Okay, Artaxerxes was the man that killed his own brother to get to the place where he was as king of that day. Artaxerxes was the man that Nehemiah knew that if he went to with this request that he knew that he was going to go to and ask, that he could kill him on the spot. And so he's praying that, Lord, help me succeed today and give compassion to this man. Right? Amazing prayer. And, of course, we know that God heard and answered that prayer. But let me just share with this with you, and I'm going to try to close right here. This... Step number four was a decisive moment when Nehemiah quit thinking and quit talking and got up and did something. You see, a lot of times we as Christians, we want to spiritualize everything until we just stay on our knees all the time. Now I realize we need to be on our knees before God in prayer. But there comes a time when you've got to get up off your knees, you've got to get on your feet, and you've got to take action, and you've got to do something. And ask God to help you succeed, and ask God to give whoever you're going to before compassion and direction, but you've got to get up and do something. Are you with me, church? We don't like to do that as a church. We just like to sit in the spiritual sauna, right, and just absorb The spiritual things of God. Well, that's good for a while. But there comes a point when you've got to get up and the rubber must meet the road. And you must put into action what God has put into your heart and into your life to do. Now, I hope and pray in the year 2016 that we be a people of action. That we move forward. Right? In our personal lives, collectively as families, as a church, that we have some action. Some actions, action steps. Matter of fact, do you realize that one of the most word, used words in Nehemiah is the word so? S-O? It's a transitional action word, if you will. It's used 32 times. Listen to this. Here's, here's a few of them. He says, so I prayed. So I came. So they strengthened, chapter 2. So built we the wall, chapter 4. So we labored, chapter 4. So the wall was finished, chapter 6. I mean, Nehemiah was a man that prayed, and then he did something. The rubber met the road. Now, in the first service, I gave a little joke, and it didn't go over very well, so I don't even think I want to share it today, but in this one. But in our culture in our today, it would say, praise the Lord, where's the ammo? Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? Lord, help protect us. But then sometimes, there's the things we got to do. Right? In the door of my garage, you go in my garage, and the door goes into my house. I have this sign. And it says, Prayer is the best way to meet the Lord. And then underneath it, it has a gun. And it said, Trespassing is faster. <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't have told you that. You may. I'm a... Right? Well, my point is, we got to do something. Right? we got to get into action. I'm not saying everybody go get a gun. That's not the message. The message I'm saying is once we get off our knees in prayer, we've got to get up and go do something. And that's what we find in the life of Nehemiah. He got up and he went and he stepped out on faith and he did something for the Lord. Let me ask you a question as the band comes, please, and just start playing when you get here. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you stepped out on faith and did anything for God? Or have you just stayed in your comfort zone? When was the last time you really stepped out on faith? You really were concerned about whether it be a particular ministry, whether it be the church, whatever it may be, in your spiritual life. You were concerned about it, as Nehemiah was. He was concerned. He asked the question, how are my people? How is Jerusalem? When he heard the message, he wept, he mourned, fasted and prayed for days. Then he went through this prayer of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, request. Then he got up off his knees and he went back and accomplished some great things. Some great things for the Lord. God's every one of us in this room can do that. Nehemiah was just a layperson. Just a layperson. That God used in an amazing way. He can use you in 2016. He can use every single one of us. He can work amazingly in our lives if we would just allow Him. But what we must do, we must fall on our face before God in prayer and fasting and find out, God, what is it, what is my mission? What is the strategy in this mission that you're giving me for 2016? What is it that I am to do? Guys, if you don't know the answer to that question, then you're just existing in life. I don't want to just exist. I want to get up every morning knowing exactly what I've got to do that day to help fulfill the mission. What is your mission? What has God called you to do? What is it? Do you know? Can you articulate it? Have you written it down? Let me ask you. If you don't have your mission written down somewhere, you probably have no idea what your mission is. Let me say it again. If you don't have your mission written down, you probably are just existing. Just waking up tomorrow and whatever happens, happens. And just living a reactive life. I'm not a reactive guy. I can't live like that. Our days are numbered. I'm 51 years old. There was a day when I was in my 20s that I thought 51 was an old, old man. Not anymore. When I was in my 20s, I thought 50 was a lifetime away. I'm amazed. 30 years later, here I am at 51. Now look back, and I've accomplished some things for the Lord. But nothing like the things that I want to accomplish. Let me ask you do you have a journal? Are you writing down anything? Are you setting some goals? What is it? that God wants to do in your life in 2016? What is it that He wants you to do for Him in 2016? What is it? I want to challenge you today. Spend some time in prayer. Fall on your face before God. Adore Him. Confess your sins to Him. Be thankful for his word. Then lay out your request and write down your mission and ask for God's blessing on it. Nehemiah in verse 11, chapter 1 said, God, will you help me succeed? Nehemiah already knew that he had to go up against the king. And he said, give him compassion because I'm getting ready to approach him. That's what happened. There's no way he would even know what to pray. Had he not already been on his face before God and received the mission. Now guys, the reason prayer isn't fun for a lot of us is because we don't even know what to pray. The reason we don't know what to pray is because we haven't been serious about our spiritual life. The reason we haven't been serious about our spiritual life is because we haven't spent days in prayer. And fasting and discerning God's will for our life. So let me challenge you. I'll probably come behind this series and do a series on prayer and fasting. But let me challenge you right now. Spend some time with God. Get along, just you and the Lord. Discern what His will is for your life. Ask Him to show you what the mission is. understand i just got out of the series about our church and we talked about vision and mission understand vision is different than mission vision is what we aspire to be just out of reach right we can see it it's just out of reach that's what we're reaching for missions are many missions have a begin and an ending a season in life And we put all the missions together to help us fulfill the vision. That's a whole other sermon. But I want to try to help you here. Put something together. Spend some time in prayer. Seek out God's will for your life. Hopefully and prayerfully you can see what the the vision is. And then discern the missions. What's the next step? I've got to get off my knees got to get out of his prayer closet I've confessed my sins, I've worshipped the Lord, I'm thankful, I've made my request now it's time where the rubber meets the road and I'm going to accomplish this for the Lord every evening you need to sit down with your journal or your calendar and you need to plan out what you're doing tomorrow to help you fulfill the mission that God's called you on every evening At least once a week, if not every evening, you need to do that. That's a stay in my life. I have notebooks and journals and computer journals and all types of things. I get up the next day, I know what I need to do the next day. I know what I need to do the next. I know what I need to do the next. And they're all because of spending time in prayer and discerning what God's will is. It's amazing. Hey, get up in the morning, I've got four things I've got to do today to help me reach my goal. Do those four. Wow, what a sense of accomplishment today. You may get them done before lunchtime. If you do, go play golf. It's okay. But get them done. Are you with me, church? Stay on mission. What's God have for you in 2016? We're going to keep studying Nehemiah. But this is a great launching pad right here. What does God have in store for you? 2016. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for our time together and thank you for your word that was written some, in Nehemiah 1, was written some 440 years before the birth of Christ. But it's as up to date as tomorrow morning's newspaper. so many principles we can pull out of this chapter and apply to our lives. Father, I pray you've spoken to hearts today. And I ask God that we as your people would respond. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, that's where it begins. Just realize that God loves you and He died for you. He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. He was buried. He rose again victoriously the third day. just repent of your sins and ask for forgiveness and ask Him to come into your life and accept Him as your Savior, you can be born again. Father, my prayer is today that someone has done that, even now. They've searched their heart and they've confessed and they invite You into their life to be their Lord and Savior. For those that are Christians already, maybe it's a time that we look back over 2015 and 2014 and we just... See some things there that that we don't want to take place in 2016. And Father, we just pray you forgive us of our failures. and Where we messed up and sinned against you, forgive us. The failures we had, help us to learn from those. Some of the greatest teachings that we have in life is a mistake or a failure. Help us, God, to learn from those. And God, help each one of us to move forward to get up off of our knees to make our request to you, get up and go do something. Father, reveal to us your mission in our life. Reveal to us your purpose day in and day out. Help us, dear God, to make every day count for you. Help us to rise up and be men and women with the spirit of Nehemiah.
0: You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.